He says, good girl. You listen so good. I do be listening so good, Jude. Thank you for <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Spice Rack Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Savannah. And today we have a spicy book for you guys. Today we're going to go over Broken Boys Can't Love by Michaela Smeltzer. And it's a good one. But before we get into it, Sav, how are you? I am good. Fun. In the past week, a lot has happened in my life. I am under contract on a house. So that is so exciting. I got a new job. Also, lots of changes coming my way. And I got some new bike shorts on Amazon. So those are the three highlights in my life. What about you? Listen, I'm a huge bike short fan. Oh, I think. Love them. I think I have like eight pairs. I'm good just getting ready for the semester to start. I made a get a life list. I was inspired by the books I was reading. And um, there's nothing I love more than checking off something off of a list. So I think it'll keep me motivated. So Other than that, I feel like the week kind of just flew by. I have to say, so I sent Emily Get a Life, Chloe Brown, which is such a cute book. It has great chronic illness representation. And there are three sisters. All of them are women of color. Plus size. I mean, it's phenomenal. So many good things. But in the first one, Chloe Brown needs to get a life. So she makes a little list. And it I did not even send that to you with the intention that you needed to get a life and make a list. But I love that you've made a little list for yourself. Yeah, I'm excited. So are you going to share anything from the list on the pod? Okay, so it kind of goes all over the place. So I have like go on a date with someone from a dating app. There's just one thing I've always wanted to do, and it's to tell a guy that I would look good on their desk. I don't know what it is. I just think that is like a power statement. Amazing. Incredible. So I have that outdoor picnic. Do something spontaneous and risky. I am very scared to do something risky. Ride in a race car. Give a stranger my number. Kiss somebody in the rain. So I have 20 items. It's my get a life list. So I've been inspired. I love it. She also left out a lot of them are spicy. She left them out. That's fair. We're not going to call Emily out for it. But she has like half of them are very cute. And then half of them are very spicy. So I cannot wait for the day that you tell somebody you would look good on their desk and you text me about it. I am counting down the days. I just think that that is such like a power statement to make. And I was like, I have to. And then I know it's super cheesy, but I, when we talk about what we read, I read how to feel at flirting and this girl, which I'm going to, when I make my hinge profile. So she told the guy, she's like, what's your cheesiest pickup line? And he said it. And she was like, that's a Gouda one. <laughs> like the cheese. <laughs> so I want to really? ask somebody that. <laughs> Fuck off. So I can can respond with that pun, but that's all for me. Okay. Exciting things happening in Emily's world. Different. We are in different phases of life on this podcast. And that's okay. Okay. What have you been reading? So I went on a rom-com binge. Really a big one. So I started, okay. I first have to say, I really wish rom-coms were dual POV. 
I really hate that they're not. So rom-com authors, please make them dual POV. Tessa Bailey is dual POV, though. She's like the only one. So I finished You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hogle. So I've had that for a while. And I was sucked in from the beginning. And it was so unexpectedly like hot and good. I gave it five stars. And then I read Get Alive, Chloe Brown. And don't let that cartoon cover fool you. Super cute. Super loved it. And then I finished How to Fail at Flirting, which could have been a biography about myself at certain <laughs> times. It was so spoon worthy. It had the whole academic setting. Girl was super awkward, like the Gouda pun. It was two peppers hot. Like I didn't expect it to be so hot. And now I'm reading Broken Rain by Ava Harrison. And it's kind of like Mafia. They, her and the guy both have known each other from a traumatic event, but she doesn't remember him, but he remembers her. So he hires her to be his lawyer. So she can try to like convince her that like, they know each other. So I'm like halfway through with that and it's pretty good. But what have you been reading? So I had a pretty slow week. I read Broken Boys Can't Love early, like last Tuesday, maybe. And then didn't pick anything up for a little bit, needed a little bit of a break. And then I started reading The King of Battle and Blood by Scarlett St. Clair. And we know Scarlett because she wrote the Hades and Persephone Touch of Darkness series. This is about vampires. Like, think Game of Thrones, but they're vampires and they're not sisters and brothers. <laughs> so, like, iconic. I'm into it. I have like 100 pages left. And then I think I'm going to continue on my little fantasy kick that I'm on before I get back into something dark. So, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, after I found this hockey romance that's 10 books. So, I think once I finish this book and I have like two more dark books I want to read I'm gonna go into a whole sports binge Hmm. I just so there is the series and it's called the black dagger brotherhood series it's y'all know I have such a vampire kink like I there's nothing I can do about it at this point it's a part of who I am but it is like 27 books and it's been going since like the early 2000s and I'm like do I start on this like these books are the ones that you see at the end of the aisle at Target, you know, the tiny books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, do I start this? This could be really fun or it could be really bad. 27's a lot. <laughs> it's so many. <laughs> I'm also tempted to read Ice Planet Barbarians, so I'll keep everybody posted if that's where this journey takes me. Um, that book is mentioned in Broken Boys Can't Love. I know. I loved it I so like, much that he was reading Alien Smut. Oh, a king. And he was like, you know what's disturbing? And she was like, what? She's like, I'm pretty sure my sister has this book. <laughs> so I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I feel like these characters are my friends. Like, I loved them. Yeah. I could read 600 pages about Millie and Jude. But before we get into it, let's talk about Michaela Smeltzer. So Michaela Smeltzer is a 20-something author from Northern Virginia. And when she's not writing, you can catch her with her nose buried in a book. Books by Michaela include the Willow Creek series, the Wildflower Duet, Whatever Happens in the Boys series. And Tay will be discussing Broken Boys Can't Love, which is the fifth book in the Boys series. And it follows Jude and Millie. I have to say, I read all the books in the boys series, and I really think you could read this as a standalone and still understand everything that's going on. 
Yeah, I've only read the first one and this one, so I am not caught up on the whole series. Before we get into the dedication, I would also like to say Seth and I have picked out a name for our child, Amelia Lynn Millie. I have had this name picked out for years. And so if Millie in the book sucked, I couldn't have read it because I'm like, I cannot have namesake Millie not be a badass bitch. And she was. So thank you, Michaela, for not ruining my future unborn, unthought of child's name. Thank you so much. Okay. Book dedication this week. For all the hopeless romantics, I hope you have your own book-worthy romance. (laughs) That's so cute. Swoon. Swoon, swoon. Okay, so getting into the plot review. So Jude is the popular football player with a long track record and a smile that would make anybody's panties drop. He is the player on campus. And Jude is best friends and roommates with Cree. And when Cree's younger sister... Millie starts at the same college. She has her move in with them. Millie is sweet, shy at times, and a virgin who doesn't want to seem awkward when she finally meets a guy on campus. Not only do these two share a house, but they also share a bathroom, so there's no way to avoid each other. I love when authors make it like unforbidden love, and then they have to share a bathroom. Love it. And yeah. she tried to she tried to get her bathroom changed, everything, and her brother was not having it. The sharing a bathroom is almost as good as the having to share one bed. Like the one bed trope is superior bathroom right underneath it. Because we, what we see is a lot of times, like one of them forgets to lock their side of the door. So they have these like funny, awkward run-ins. And Millie freaks out when she meets Jonah, who happens to be Jude's brother, and asks Jude to help educate her on how to get a guy to like her and what to do if things get steamy. What blossoms from this arrangement is a steamy, forbidden romance between the two, which involves a lot of rainy day drives, quick sneakaways, and a lot of good girls, and the love that is truly meant to be. The tropes include brother's best friend and virgin trope. Okay, I would like to back it up because there are so many things in this book that are my favorite. I am a slut for a brother's best friend. I love it so much. We get so many good girls in this book superior it is superior jude cartwright is a fucking dream like he is so perfect he ticks so let me talk about all the boxes that he ticks for me first of all he's a football player and he's not like a quarterback right like he's a little beefy that's good for me he is like six four six five a fucking behemoth of a man which we love he (laughs) he has a good girl in the bedroom which we cannot get enough of he's such a good brother which is so sweet. And I love that for them. And then at one point he's talking about abortion and he says her body, her choice. So he's also a feminist and I almost died. So Jude Cartwright is a dream. I loved him. I also loved Millie. I thought she was very spicy, very fun, which makes me very happy because the future Millie Lowry needs a bad bitch name. The roommates, the brother's best friend, The teach me how to have sex trope. Y'all know that's another favorite of mine. It was so well done. None of them were over the top. They each played into the other, which I really loved. And then the friendship that developed between Millie and Jude was so sweet. And he really did care about her so much. He consistently thought that he wasn't good enough for her. And so I just really enjoyed their friendship and how she felt safe with him. And I think it truly was like they were friends first, which I really enjoyed. You get a little bit of family drama with Jude and Jonah. 
June is obviously teaching Millie like how to date Jonah, not knowing that it's his brother. And then he ends up beating Jonah out to be the guy for Millie. And Jonah doesn't realize that it's Jude. So there's like a little love triangle going on between the two brothers. And I also loved the snippets of the other love stories unfolding. So you get a little bit of the first book, some hints of the second book, and then also Cree, her brother, and Dare, her brother's other roommate. So a lot of fun stories coming undone. I think Millie was so feisty, and I love that she wasn't afraid to fight back. Her struggles with anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, and having a hard time making new friends is all so relatable. And then also Jude's past with his ex and the abortion and that kind of making him into a player of, I thought that I was going to be with this person for the rest of my life and she had an abortion and I didn't have a say in it. And I recognize that it was her choice, but I'm still struggling, right? Like, I think that it was a really realistic approach. And so I just loved them independently. And then I also really loved who they were together. Gia Cartwright, the pro-choice king. And one thing I like is we see um, towards the end of the book is he meets up with his ex-girlfriend for coffee and they have such an adult conversation about what happened. She's moved on. She's engaged. And just seeing that like emotional maturity, I'm like, go off. I gave it five stars. I thought this series was top tier when we read about Teddy and then Jude came along and it got even more top tier. I knew something was going to go down between the two when they started sharing a bathroom and Jude was the only one who could match up with Millie's like wittiness. Like she tried so hard to prove that she is her own person. She got a job at the dance studio and I feel like her brother kind of babied her in a way, but Jude was like, no, like she is an 18 year old. She's an adult. Like she knows what she can do. I absolutely screamed at the scene when they were broken up and she came downstairs in the mini dress and her brother is there the other roommate is there and he tries so hard not to lose his shit and so she goes to his party she goes to the bar and he takes care of her like she gets obliterated and he just takes care of her holds her hair while she pukes and Millie cares about him so much too and he was always struggling with the fact that like they wanted to tell her brother but he was like I feel like since my past actions, everybody's going to look at me like I'm that awful person because nobody knew about the abortion. Nobody knew why him and his ex broke up. So he, Millie convinced him to, for him to see that he is a person, all your past actions don't define you. And so I thought that was really, really sweet. And I liked how it was just the book had romance, plot, spice, and it was just super well written. That when it ended, there wasn't any like loopholes. And I could have really read 500 more pages of Million Jude. It was just funny, cute, a five-star read. So fun. So cute. I loved the drives in the rain. I thought that that was like, just like a cute little thing. It was their thing. The fake date, adorable. Like this man was so in love with her and just couldn't admit it. And then the I really like to, we'll talk about Spice in a second, but I like the fact that he they were doing shit and not fucking right. Like I think he waited to have sex with her because he knew that it was important and didn't want to like do it in the back of a car or in a random hotel room where other people could hear when her brother was home. Right. Like I think he put a lot of time into making sure she was ready and not pushing her before she was. And then when he paints her toenails and then did you read the bonus epilogue that you have to like go and download? 
Yes. When he's painting the little girl's toenails because she's pregnant, I was like, oh my God. I loved that. I loved a little manicure situation, a mani-pedi situation for his daughter. Fucking cute. And then one of my favorite quotes in this entire book is, all she has to do is exist and I want to drop to my knees and worship her. If that doesn't scream me, I literally don't know what else would. He is a man and she, so she has this ballet studio, right? And Alexander owns the ballet studio, his family. So her car breaks down. And of course, the only person who answers his phone is Jude. I was like, yes. So Jude comes and tries to like go to help her. And when he gets there, um, Alexander's talking to Millie and Jude loses his shit. And he goes and like puts him like a chokehold, like slams him against the wall. He's like, get the fuck away from her. And so... You know, he's a protective king. And I just, he's a literary masterpiece. And then, like, I don't know, 40 more pages, we find out that Alexander is gay anyways. Which <laughs> <laughs> was like the icing on the cake. Like, you didn't need to make a scene, boo-boo. But you did because you're in love with her. And that's okay. Yeah, but she is sometimes, like, eat a salad and her stomach will still grumble. He's like, just eat the fucking burger. <laughs> and it's like, that's... <laughs> I thought that this story was so cute too because I could picture me in my little Copper Beach college townhouse like (laughs) making dinner with Seth having him like bond with my roommates like the whole I don't know I just it was very relatable it was nostalgic for me because it reminded me of college and like all the fun that I had in my relationship while I was in college so let's get into the spice we have some good ones good scenes for y'all so Sab I gave it three peppers how many peppers did you give it I think I gave it four. I gave it, okay, no, I gave it three. Damn, I really thought I gave it four. I was hype. I gave it three, and there are three scenes that I need to talk about. The first is the ballet mirror sex scene will forever live rent free in my head. And I think that this is a scene everyone should go into blind. So I'm not even going to go into the details because my jaw was on the floor reading the scene. <sighs> The vibrator phone sex scene. The vibrator phone sex scene. Oh my God. So she asked for his help, right? With sex. He's like, I can't go down this path. This was like the beginning of their friendship. And she comes home one day and he orders her three different vibrators. Packages sitting on the desk, everything. And she tells him that she'll try the vibrator if he reads smut. So she has this man reading about ice barbarians. So she would try what he sent her. And so she calls him like freaking out. Like when she's like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, do you want me to like walk you through it? So we get this super seedy like phone sex conversation. And he, and he's in the other room and he goes, fuck Millie. I wish I could touch you. And that is so fucking sexy. But this scene is. This scene is top tier. I have to make a confession because I guess I just confess everything about my sex life on this podcast at this point. Phone sex is my love language. There are five love languages. No, there are six. The sixth one is sexting and phone sex. This this scene is the best four pages in literature history. Shakespeare has fucking nothing on Michaela Smeltzer in this phone sex scene. I'm going to read some excerpts. Fucking strap in, bitches. Here we go. First of all, He says, I want you to slide your fingers under your panties. She says, I'm not wearing any panties. He says, Jesus fucking Christ, Millie, you're going to kill me saying shit like that. 
which is just, oh, Jude. Then he says, I want you to picture me between those pretty legs of yours, my tongue in your pussy. Uh, Okay. Okay. I'm not unwell. Then he says, I'd ruin you for any other man. I love a line. I love a man that says he's going to ruin me for anybody else. Like, I want to see you try, baby. I want you to give me your best shot. And then we get a good girl, the first good girl of the book. She says, where are your fingers? She says, rubbing my clit. He says, good girl. You listen so good. I do be listening so good, Jude. Thank you for it. I couldn't put my eye. See, I'm I'm turning red. I couldn't put my Kindle down. I was like, and then, not to spoil, but at the end, he was like, this was just, like, this doesn't mean anything. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Nope. The best part is that they do this. And then on, because they're on the phone, they're just heavy panting <laughs> for like several seconds. And he says, this doesn't mean anything. And hangs up. Like, yeah. They're like, good night, good night. And I'm like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. another iconic Jude Cartwright moment is when he's going down to her for the first time and she goes like muffle her because her brother's home and Jude goes take your hand off your mouth Millicent I want to hear every fucking sound you make because they belong to me do you hear me remember when we went back to talking about last week like the whole full name <sighs> please please use my government name in the bedroom when I have been bad <laughs> I enjoy so much because people know what we are into at this point, right? We pull out excerpts that are just spot on what we are looking for in a partner. So if anybody wants to fuck us, all you have to do is listen to this podcast. It is a blueprint of what we want. I hung out with some of my friends over the weekend and um, one of my guy friends, I think he like saw something that we posted on my story. We were talking about how like we like the six, four, six, five, like meaty guys. He's like, yeah, Emily's going to give birth to like a 12 pound, like Neanderthal. <laughs> no, but I'm going to have to have a C-section. There is no way I can push a mini big ass Seth out of my coochie. There is no way. I have to have C-section. So just join the club. Okay. Well, should we make merch? C-section? <laughs> me and my eight screws are not pushing anything out this is true this is true you would have to have sex before we could have a c-section so we're gonna take this one step at a time emily (laughs) (laughs) i also when they finally do fuck which i mean it's it's such a slow burn but you're getting content in the meantime which is really just what we want so when they're having sex for the first time he says Nothing has ever felt this good before. This pussy was made for me. Yeah, it was. Thank you. <laughs> I I really think that whoever first wrote that line in a book deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. They were really on to something. Really on to something. Like that that can like that line can create world peace in my opinion. I agree. I think the the hoes going to love this like that. <laughs> I'm already I'm blushing (laughs) but this is my thing I don't know do men in college exist like Jude Cartwright let's be honest I personally never met a guy in college that exists like Jude Cartwright 
I don't even oh. know if they exist. Like, he is the perfect man. I don't think that they do. Because I have I have been training Seth. He's been in training for six years. So he was not. He needed some work, right? I didn't fuck a single dude in college that could do anything close to this. Mm-hmm. Especially not as a virgin. I have to share a story with you. Okay. That I don't know that many people really know because I was 17 at the time and I (laughs) I cannot believe I'm about to tell you this. And I have really not voiced this enough, but one of my friends on her Instagram story last week said, has anyone seen a Jacob's Ladder in the flesh? And do you know what a Jacob's Ladder is? Yeah, that's what they used in priest, right? Like the Catholic. Okay. Yes, you're on the right track. But it's also when the dick is pierced and it looks like a ladder. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was a Jewish thing. So you're saying saying it's a Catholic thing? The actual yeah. Jewish thing. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, the dick piercing is also called a Jacob's ladder. When I was 17 years old, I encountered one of these in the wild. My second ever sexual partner had a Jacob's Ladder. And I just, I've been holding this in for quite a long time. I feel like I should let it known. I didn't know what to do with it at the time. I was literally 17. It did nothing for me. And I have never seen another one again. So if you have seen one please let us know if you were old enough to like really if you're old enough to consent and also have fun please let us know because I am dying to know if it if it's fun for other people thank you that is all yeah I've never encountered one in the wild so I have no input I didn't I guess at age 17 I thought that it was quite normal because it was only my you know I was one for two that's 50 percent. so I was like oh this is gonna be more of a thing um no and she said that no one else had responded to her Instagram story that she'd seen one. So apparently it's quite rare. If you have seen one, please let us know. We would like to ask you some questions for science. Thank exactly. You. you know, we're women in STEM. We love our research. <laughs> Somebody did. So we have a follower who went and followed my personal account. Thank you so very much. She asked what I was doing my PhD in. Like she asked if it was anything to do books. And I'm like, no, I like study like counterterrorism and different kind of securities. And she was like, oh, that's completely opposite to what you guys talk about. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're aware. We're aware. <laughs> okay, we're going to get into some discussion questions. And so this first one is a little fun. If you had to save one sex position out of the three, which would you pick? Mirror sex, car sex, or phone sex? I know what you're picking and I know what I'm picking. You look like you're really in thought here, but I already know what you're going to pick. Okay. So this is why. So my love language is physical touch. So I think I'm Xing phone. And then car just does not seem comfortable. Mm. Like, I don't know. So I'm going to pick mirror out of the other two. Yeah. Emily, me and our 12 listeners all knew that you were going to pick mirror. No, but this question, because we get all three in this book. So I was like, hmm, it's kind of like fuck, Mary kill, but spicy. Yeah, I love it. I, we talked about this a little bit last week. I think you kind of missed the boat on car sex. I really think that peaks for everyone in high school. 
I'm obviously picking phone sex. My love language is words of affirmation. And so there's nothing better than phone sex for me, especially I love nothing more than sexting Seth at work because he works in a cubicle. And I know <laughs> that he begins uncomfortable and then his tiny little cubicle is my favorite thing. <laughs> he's probably like, God damn it. I know every time he's like, fuck, but he still does it anyways. And that's a good husband right there. <laughs> imagine if you could like pick a romance trope that you would want your life to be like so if you got to completely pick a romance trope what trope would you pick oh this is a good one as much as I love enemies to lovers I wouldn't want my life to be enemies to lovers because they'd be getting in some weird situations I think And it's so funny because I don't love reading friends to lovers, but I feel like that would be such a sweet, wholesome life that I would have for myself. Are you going to pick fucking mafia? No, (laughs) no. What do you pick? Okay. So I was between three. So I was thinking friends to lovers, but if this is something like, I think that could happen in my life, like friends to lovers. So I was like, okay. What is something that I like most likely would not? And I think that but I'd either do academic rivals mm. or I think my top choice would be fake dating because mm-hmm. with the fake dating trope, it's fun. You have a list usually of rules and a fake dating always usually we get a it's always been you line out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think I picked the fake dating trope. I do love a fake dating trope. I mean, I think it's really undefeated. I would, can we back it up? Because you have avoided this three weeks in a row now. We don't have to talk about it because technically you are no longer interested in this person. But why do you think, yeah, drop your phone, get nervous. (laughs) Why do you think that you could have a friends to lovers scenario in your life, Emily? What's your basis for that? Okay, my basis for that is because I feel at like my stage of life that that would kind of be like the most like the most organic way for me to meet somebody would be like starting out as friends and then them like turning into lovers. So backstory, Saad mentioned it. So I liked this guy. We're friends, but we have completely different deal breakers. And at this point in my life, I'm 25, going to be 26. I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince somebody and they're okay to have those deal breakers. That's what they want. I want my deal breakers. And so it was a fun little three weeks, but it was. I think that, but okay. It was. But Emily is completely in denial that this person is in love with her. And so I would like to present some evidence. The first evidence is that Emily loves postcards, loves them. And then when she had her fire, all of her postcards burned. And so First of all, if you're traveling, send her a fucking postcard. But this man has been traveling the world for a year-ish. Is that right? Yeah. Sends her a postcard or a picture or something of every place that he goes. Every single fucking place that he goes. And she doesn't think that he's in love with her. Vasab convinced me and I I realized (laughs) that he is. And then we realize that they want different things. So it's really a moot point, but I just needed to bring it up because I've been meaning to for three weeks and she has evaded the public questioning. And so she can no longer evade, but now we have kind of like a little bow on it. So it's a good situation. You're just friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just friends. And so 
I think if I got to pick, I would love a fake dating trope. Okay. Fake dating. I think I'm still going to stick with friends to lovers or maybe like a childhood friends to lovers. I think that that's fun. And then they grow apart. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. That's good. Obviously not a second chance, not a small town. I mean, I, I could do like a little mafia (laughs) or maybe like, listen, if Ryzant leader of the high fucking board <laughs> wants to come for me with his big fucking wings i will not say no <laughs> so that's maybe a little fantasy too if we're gonna get crazy but maybe if it's human people i'm picking friends to lovers i just think it'll just be like if i ever wrote like a book i would do a fake dating book okay i love that for you i would happily read it and we could talk about it Okay, last question for the day. This is kind of a two-parter. First part is, do you think that Jonah overreacted to Jude and Millie being an item? And then the second part of this is, would you let your best friend date your sibling? So I have to say that I do think that Jonah overreacted because throughout this book, we get how much Jude loves Jonah. Like he loves him. He was like, I will help you. And at no I don't understand how they didn't put the puzzle pieces together that they're all talking. It's the same triangle. And so I think that Jonah completely reacted and he should have listened to Jude when Jude's like, no, like, you know, I would never, ever do that to you. And so, yes, I think he overreacted. And honestly, I would let my best friend date my sibling. If they like come out and say, cause you, you can't prevent two people from like falling in love. So if they go in with like good intentions and I'll give my stamp of approval. Okay. I agree. I would also let my best friend date my sibling. And like, if, I mean, I would date a best friend's sibling. I think if you like have good communication and good boundaries, then it's fine. And honestly, like best case scenario, you and your bestie are in the same family. You're going on family trips together. Like exactly. it's really such a win-win. Um, so yes, I agree with you on that. I disagree a little. I don't think that Jonah completely overreacted. I think he let it go in an appropriate amount of time. They had an adult conversation about it. I mean, I can also see where you wouldn't have connected the dots because he doesn't really know Millie's schedule. Like they don't have that kind of relationship, right? But yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I feel like if Jude really wanted to, he probably could have connected the dots, but I don't think he like maliciously refused to look into it. But I don't. I don't think that Jonah overreacted. I think Jude's really fucking hot and Jonah is not, I mean, he's cute, right? But he's always been like the cute little brother to super hot Jonah, to super hot Jude. And so I don't know. I think that there are probably some other feelings there. So I don't know that he completely overreacted. You know who I do think overreacted is motherfucking Cree because- Cree had no, no bounds to be acting like that. No. No, none at all. And honestly, I wish they would have told him so much sooner. It would have been fine. Like, it would have been completely fucking fine. I understand the stress of it. It adds to the drama. But he overreacted. He was overprotective. He needed to, he needs to sort his own shit out and, like, leave exactly. other people's relationships alone. So I thought that he completely overreacted. And I'm glad that it was resolved and that Millie stuck up for herself and basically told him to fuck off. Yeah, like he, when because he overreacted when she wore that dress to the party. And it's like, dude, like you, so the house that they're living in is like 
their parents bought that house for Cree and Millie. And so Cree was acting like, oh, like I'm letting you stay. Like, no, it's also Millie's house. Yes. So take a few steps back. And it is interesting because parts of this book intertwines with Cree's story. Yes. So it's like, yeah, like figure out your ownership before you can talk shit about other people's relationships. And that's on period. I also... Listen, Millie was a little overdressed to go to a frat party. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. This is a safe space. I don't know what she was wearing, who she was trying to impress. I get wanting to make you jealous, but you're going to a frat party in a fucking basement. You're wearing heels and you are wearing a skin tight mini dress. Not my personal vibe. And you're making out with other girls while you're there. I love it. I love it for you. But you were overdressed for a frat party. I think that this is a safe space and we can talk about it. I agree. Especially because I don't know. Whenever we went to frat parties, they were always themed. So Savannah and I, Savannah and I have ran out of multiple frat houses together yes. when the gods have shown up. We were <laughs> it will surprise not a single fucking person <laughs> that we were frat rats. And that's fine. <laughs> I honestly so we're, was worse Emily was way worse than I was if we were being honest yeah but I <laughs> we do have to say because um Sam and I were in the same sorority there was a time where like half of our chapter was with half of this fraternity chapter so Monday through Sunday <laughs> we were there yep Emily was the glue she was holding that relationship together I'm gonna be so honest it was hard work, but you know, <laughs> I had to do my civic duty. You did. You sure did. So we have the boyfriend pyramid, as you guys know. We have four little ladders in the pyramid. We have the ultimate friends with benefits, meet the parents, um, white picket fence, and God tier. And we forgot to do boyfriend pyramid last week. So um, before I talk about Jude, I'm going to put Evan at white picket fence. And Jude is God tier and... Like, he might be the highest God-tier person for me. Okay. A dude is God-tier for me. There is no, no denying it. I loved him. Dr. Evan Locke, though, he's also God-tier for me. I loved that man. So, listen, I'm coming back. I'm turning to Emily. I'm putting two people on God-tier in one week. This is new for me. (laughs) Okay. We are... Continuing our fun back to school series, we're going to do one story this week. We're getting a little darker, as you all know, that we would want to do. And then we're going to end this on a high note with Allie Hazelwood's new series, new book about her kind of related to her STEM series. That was the love hypothesis. So we're going to end this with love on the brain, which comes out on the 23rd of August. So just a couple more weeks of back to school. Next week, we are going to do brutal king by jagger cole emily said that she has read this it is a bratva academy romance so do with that information what you will it's a six-part series all six books are free on kindle unlimited so if you have that head over there and we will see you next week bye guys we hope that you guys enjoy this episode and that you guys enjoy next week's book bye